Cable Smith, welcome everybody into episode 599 of SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Thank you so much for being here today. It is great to be here talking, hunting, fishing, the great outdoors and all that implies. Man, what a wonderful time of the year. Cold front finally hit North Texas. We had temperatures like in the upper 40s in the evenings. It was awesome last week. And although I didn't uh, get to go bow hunting, I did make the mistake of telling my wife that, hey, maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll take the kids to the lease for a quick trip Saturday evening. We'll spend the night and, and get up early and come home on Sunday. I never mentioned it to the kids, but uh, she took them somewhere Friday night. I don't remember what I was doing, but um, we got back home that evening, met back up, and she had all the kids with them. And she had mentioned to them that, hey, dad's going to, Take you to the lease tomorrow. Well, I had already like totally forgotten about it or, or decided I wasn't going because we had all the soccer games Saturday early in the day. And anyway, the kids were like, Dad, you're taking us to the lease. And I was like, mm, I don't think that I am. And they're like, Dad, you're taking us to the lease. And I was like, Dad is taking you to the lease. <laughs> How can you say no? Uh, so, and, and of course, you're not going to bow hunt with three kids aged eight six and six with you so it turned into a hog hunt and what a hog hunt it was uh, the three of us climbed into big chingon saturday afternoon shot the first pig at about six o'clock um nice boar and i kind of videoed everything and, and made a quick like uh, minute and 30 second recap of the weekend posted that on my instagram which May or may not be deleted by the time this airs. <laughs> they are after me hardcore. It's unfortunate. Uh, but we're driving out of the wheat field. I'm dragging the first pig behind the truck with a tow rope. And Henry's like, Dad, I'm going to run ahead and open the gate. I'm like, okay, son, if you want to run 500 yards across the wheat field in your mud boots, be my guest. He makes it about 200 yards. I'm like, girls, what is that black dot in front of Henry? He's like, that's a pig. So I, I yell at Henry. The pig must be 400 yards away. Henry's 200 yards away. I, I literally yell at him, stop him, and I point. And he sees the pig, and so he stops and slowly backs up. I load the rifle, and I slowly walk up. End up freehanding, shooting that boar, killing him. It was awesome. The kids were even more pumped. We all go back to camp, uh, have some pizza, frozen frozen pizza, uh, deer camp special, and then they go to sleep, and the stealth cam fires off that there's pigs in the front wheat field so i grab the pulsar thermian and go to work in the wheat field and end up getting one more so uh three pigs down in like four hours and um it was a great weekend of course they were jealous that they didn't get to they weren't in on the third hunt so to speak but um yeah all smiles and the, especially the girls they t i can't tell you how many times they're like dad Thanks for taking us to the lease. And I'm like, it. I'm tickled pink that my six-year-old daughters love it so much that, that that's what they want to do. So great weekend. Hope you guys had a wonderful weekend as well. Uh, we've got a good show lined up for you, so you know what to do by now. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. 
Pour yourself another cup of Black Rifle coffee out of that beat-up old Stanley Thermos, because off the top, we'll be joined by uh, an interesting fellow in his own right, a Texas rodeo, or maybe it's cowboy, Hall of Famer, a avid hog hunter, international hunter, and bourbon aficionado, Jason Jeter will be here. Uh, he recently also fell victim to Instagram censorship uh, in a big way. So we'll talk hog hunting, thermal optics, long-range shooting. Uh, Jason's a passionate distance shooter and uh, uses a very large caliber, uh, which I found fascinating as someone who's not really in that game. Uh, I enjoy it, but I uh, have no skills nor skins on the wall when it comes to real long-range shooting. Um, we'll talk Kentucky bourbon, as he is a bourbon aficionado as well. Lots to get into with Jason coming up here momentarily. Then our old pal Brian Lynn from Sportsman's Alliance will be here. Wolves are always at the forefront of the wildlife management conversation. October 2021 is no exception, as Wisconsin goes against their DNR with the wolf quota. Uh, Montana and Idaho go the opposite direction. And then the anti's knee-jerk reaction, plus a proposed, well, actually, no, it's a petition to the Biden administration that uh, if they were to take interest in and, and if this thing really got legs, would effectively end interstate hunting. Like, you could say bye to, to non-resident tags because you wouldn't be able to transport the meat or the hide or the horns across state lines. So certainly important to keep tabs on these ludicrous types of petitions and legislation. Sportsman's Alliance does a great job staying on top of all that. So looking forward to having Brian join us as well. That's what's on the docket for today. Going to be a good one. Guarantee you that. Let's do a quick giveaway. How about two boxes of 100 grain, 243 Norma ammunition? Two boxes, 243 bullets. We're going to give them away. We are hopefully coming out of a ammo crisis, but nah, we're not. <laughs> um, just email the word freedom. That's freedom. To Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com. And you are entered into today's 243 ammo giveaway. Up next, we check in with our good friend Jason Jeter on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Tactical Skeleton Firearms specializes in custom AR-10 firearms. They're best known for their AR-10 308 pistols. Also, dual-caliber AR-10 rifle systems and dual-caliber AR-15 takedown pistols. Tactical Skeleton specializes in custom Cerakoting engraving, and they'll custom laser-cut the foam insert inside your hard gun case. They'll also take on any exotic caliber build offered on the AR-10 or AR-15 platform. Precision machining and hand-built quality guaranteed by a lifetime warranty? Who does that? Get free shipping on your order when you visit tacticalskeleton.com today. When you post hunting photos on Instagram, they get censored. When you post on Go Wild, you get virtual fist bumps from fellow hunters. When you buy gear on Amazon, you gas up a billionaire spaceship. When you buy gear on Go Wild, we donate to a camp that teaches kids to hunt, fish, and shoot. See the difference? Go Wild is a free social community built by hunters for hunters. Join today at DownloadGoWild.com, and I'll give you 10 bucks just for setting up your account. And you'll keep unlocking GoWild rewards as you share content, because guess what? We like hunting pictures. Join at DownloadGoWild.com or in the App Store. 
Cable here, and if you're like me, you probably enjoy bold flavors and cuisines. And nobody does Cajun and Creole better than Chris's Specialty Foods in Frisco. Their forte includes specialty sausages, boudins, and andouille, pre-cooked soups, gumbos, and sides, where all you have to do is heat it up. What about high-quality steaks, smoked and fried turkeys, turduckins, and turducken rolls for the holidays, plus gift boxes. Storefront conveniently located off Dallas Parkway in Frisco, or shop online at chrisespecialtyfoods.com and have it delivered to your door. It lifts the desert sand Sings a song of the elder man The name he bears will echo on through time We bet big and lost the hand We pressed on the best There's a very own Shane Smith And the Saints bringing us back Geronimo, the name of that one Cable Smith, welcoming everyone into... Another episode of SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks to Mossberg Firearms, as always, our presenting sponsor. Uh, we're all set to check in with uh, an old friend of the show, someone who I guess we've been friends because of social media. It's like that Catch-22, right? Social media is good, but oh God, it's also the devil. As far as uh, Jason Jeter is concerned, though, that's how we've kept up with each other. He's certainly a fascinating fella, and we'll bring him on momentarily. This segment brought to you by Stealth Cam and the Reactor Wireless Cell Camera. I've got probably eight or ten across two whitetail properties this season. They keep me abreast of uh, deer of movement and also when I need to get rid of some hogs. Yeah, they keep me in the loop. You can pick up the Reactor at StealthCam.com. With that being said, let's bring him on right now. Jason Jeter, thanks for jumping on, my friend. You bet. Glad to be here. My pleasure. Uh, so where are you joining us from? Uh, I'm, I'm in Arlington right now, my office. Okay. Take a break from work. <laughs> right on. Uh, <laughs> well, first thing is first, you were a real cowboy long before your days as a gun-toting, bourbon-drinking, pig-killing Instagram personality. Is that something you you did at an early age? Yeah, I, um, I started, I started, grew up around horses. My parents had race horses and riding horses and, uh, and got into high school and um, they had a high school rodeo team. I went to Arlington High, had a high school rodeo team. And I was hanging out with some of those guys. And and I'd been around horses my whole life. I'm like, well, you know, this is kind of second nature. So started going to a place here in Mansfield called Cowbell Arena. You could go on Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, pay 20 bucks, pick out your bull, get on it, ride, and then drive home. You know, it's just like a practice type of thing. And <clears throat> so I started riding bulls and and then I felt more comfortable around horses. I've been around horses my whole life. And I mean, to be honest, riding bulls just scared the shit out of me, really. Uh-huh. It's, <laughs> so I, uh, I started riding bucking horses and went to high school rodeos and, and ended up, um, you know, getting a rodeo scholarship to go to college. And, and then after, you know, at my, my time during college, I couldn't wait for anything else, but to go pro, you know, and, uh-huh. and after, after college, I went and took that next step and ended up being pretty successful at it. Yeah, so it's not something you talk a lot about on your Instagram page, but then I, I saw that you had the honor of being uh, elected to the the Texas Rodeo Hall of Fame. Yeah, Texas Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, pretty, it, it was pretty neat because the guy that I rodeoed with my whole career, Pete Hawkins, uh, we traveled together uh, all over the world rodeo and made the NFR together, and and just about did everything together, and we ended up being 
inducted at the same time, the same year into the in the Texas Rodeo Hall of Fame. So it was a pretty it was a pretty cool uh, pretty cool day for both of us. So, uh, you know, I've ridden horses a little bit here and there, mostly on like backcountry elk hunts, and like I have a a bulging disc in my back. So mostly I just end up walking the horse and I get off and we just kind of hang out in our buddies. But mm-hmm. um, anyway, and everyone rides horses it, growing up in Texas, at least some as a kid. Uh, yeah. Now there was this one horse though. It was a real ass. And like, it was, I couldn't get him to like, he had this uh, complex about, he had to be at the, the front of the line uh-huh. on one of these backcountry strings. And that didn't go well for me not having a lot of experience riding horses right you're fighting so the, the yeah he, he just kept he couldn't like he couldn't get be in the back of the line he's just like no i you know want to race to the front i'm like trying to always on the go always in the bit trying to pull against yeah. you the whole time. Yeah. so f- finally the the wrangler that was packing us in he was like here i'll trade horses with you and he kind of like he's kind of hesitant and i'm like oh okay whatever so we trade horses we get back to we're coming out of the after seven days we're coming off the mountain at this point they're packing us out and we get to the bottom of the the trailhead and his dad meets us there on a on a ATV and he's like, You're on that horse? And I was like, Yeah, the other one was being an asshole. And he goes, That horse bucked me off two weeks ago. The one that you're on now and broke three of my ribs. And then the uh, the younger guy goes, Yeah, I actually got that horse because he bucked the guy off and killed him two years ago. <laughs> I was like, so I went from bad to worse, and you didn't even tell me like oh, I would have thought what you didn't know wouldn't hurt you you know oh my god dude yeah uh so did you ever draw a horse that you were like oh no i did you know this one scares cowboys uh you know so when you get to when you finally get to that level professionally um you really you kind of you crave those kind of horses the ones that that might have used to scared you whenever you were a lesser you know lesser uh like i guess an athlete or or you know less skilled, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because those are the ones you knew you were going to win on if you had the baddest, you know, the, but you know, it, your nerves will go for dang sure. You know, you mm-hmm. get on the bucking horse of the year. That's, you know, aired everybody out that's been on him all year long. And, you know, here's your chance to, to get a little glory and, and, you know, you got a good chance to win. So yeah, it gets your ner- nerves amped up and you learn to control that kind of thing. But, um, there were a lot of horses though, that you would draw that were no fun to ride, but you couldn't win on them either. And those are the ones you just really didn't want to get on because you knew you're just going to go get tortured, get beat up, but you didn't have a very good chance of winning because the judges weren't going to mark the horse very much. And, and that was just part of the sport too. <clears throat> uh-huh. Okay. What was the worst injury you ever had? Uh, you know, I was pretty fortunate in that I never had any life threatening injuries. I never went to the hospital in a, in a ambulance or really, not on my own, you know, um, power, but, uh, I really didn't have any super serious injuries. I've, um, probably I broke my pelvis and actually just split the soft joint in the middle apart. And, um, that was probably the most painful injury, but me, um, ACL replacements and broken, you know, broken legs and arm and wrist and stuff <laughs> like that. But, yeah. but that, <laughs> you know, that, but that's kind of the same thing, you know, you get in, in football play, you know, like guys playing football and stuff like that. But as far as super serious, you know, internal organs and stuff like that, I was fortunate to get out without ever hurting any of that kind of stuff. Well, I've seen the, some of the pictures of you and you're wearing a cowboy hat and I'm watching, you know, PBR on TV today and they're wearing freaking baseball helmets with full cages on I'm like 
I don't know. I kind of like the cowboy hat look a little yeah. better. <laughs> you know, so the difference kind of is in, in the bull ride, you know, a lot of those guys, a lot of the injuries come from actually the bull hitting you in the face with the right. back of his head or you get jerked down. It's called get jerked down where you hit, you get slammed in the back of his head, you know, and, and that's where a lot of the serious life threatening, you know, head trauma injuries come from that are getting stepped on and the helmet helps with both. And bull riding is kind of a finesse way of uh, compared to like the horse events. The horse events are a little bit ranker and rougher on you. Your head's popping around. And if you had a helmet on, you need to get a neck injury because you got that extra weight on your head, you know, mm -hmm. where in the bull riding, you're sitting up there and it's a balancing act and you're not really having a whole lot of stress on your neck. So those guys wearing helmets actually, um, yeah, it looks cool to wear a cowboy hat, but it's actually really good for those guys. Probably saved a lot of lives, saved yeah. a lot of facial reconstructions. I'm cool sure. shows what I know. I was going to say, you know, with the the state of modern society, it's like why don't they just give them participation trophies too? So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so there's there's definitely a reason for that. Um, so after you got out of uh, rodeoing, you, I, I don't, I mean, I obviously you have an office, you have a business. We don't have to talk about all that, but to me, it seems like you're just a guy that spends a lot of time tinkering with guns, drinking bourbon, smoking cigars, and, and killing pigs. Also do some uh, a fair share of international hunting as well. But what is it about pigs that really attracts you? I don't know. Maybe it's just because of an opportunistic thing. We just have so many in Texas. You know, you, you're, you're obviously a hunter and, and you've hunted all over the place. And um, pig hunting to me, you know, I, I like doing it at night with thermal and night vision. And using that equipment in itself is makes the hunt, you know, so much cooler just because mm -hmm. you're, you're using this cool equipment, you know, in the dark, you're, you're doing things that you can't normally do in the dark. You know, you, you've leveled the playing field where they're normally out doing their thing, but with the shooting of pigs, you know, just like you said, we have so many of them and they are a very, you know, serious problem in the state of Texas. When we have to cull whitetail deer off the ranch, you know, we have so many permits and on at the ranch and have to call deer, you know, sometimes you just hate shooting a pile of does, you know, you, you kind of feel bad for them. You know, there's sometimes with hunting, you know, you shoot this big elk or something, you might have a little bit of, you know, hunter's remorse afterwards, not necessarily remorse, but you feel, you know, you feel for the animal, you know, you're yeah. going to eat it. Like and, gratitude. And you, but gratitude, you know, yeah. where with hogs, there is no sympathy at all. You know, it's just <laughs> like, <laughs> there's, there's nothing to be sympathetic, right? So it's completely remorseful hunting and I mean, remorseless hunting and, and shooting and stacking of bodies. Like that. Um, and it's never ending targets. You know, the, yeah. the opportunity is there because we have so many of them. Yeah. And I, but I do think it's uh, important, especially, and people like not from the South don't get this. They like, oh, that's not sporting at all. It's okay. Yeah, it might not be sporting to you, but guess what? These are a pest, and this is how yeah. we deal with the problem, right? You it's can, you can about, shoot them yeah. with thermals. You can shoot them out of a helicopter, or you can trap them. Those are really the only effective means of limiting your, your feral hog infestation on your property. The casual, and I, and, and I get this all the time, too. Oh, landowners are just assholes. They won't let me come on their property and shoot a pig. You shooting one pig while you're drinking beer on Friday night on their property isn't going to help their pig problem. Situation out, yeah. No, it's so it's like, yeah, you, you have to really get some numbers. You have to stack some bodies. And, and like, like, like you said, thermal is a great way to do that. Thermal technology has come a long way, though. Um, I think I've yeah. been with Pulsar eight, 10 years. 
And it used to be, uh, I don't even remember the first night vision they gave me, but it wasn't looking at, like looking through a Thermion today, it's not even close. And the price has come down. So it's something that has become more affordable for the average guy. And, and, and the, even the, the super low-end units are better than the high-end, you know, the stuff that was started with eight years ago by far, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's very cool technology. So do you actually do guided hunts? I do, yeah. Uh, we take guys from uh, March through September. Um, and then the end of September, deer season starts. Uh, the, the ranch is not my ranch. It's a friend's ranch. Uh, they're MLD, so their season goes from October through the end of February. And we don't really do dedicated hog hunts while he's got deer hunters in there. But after that's over, then we start cleaning up the hog population. Okay. Well, so on a, on the on more of a global perspective, you know, you've done a lot of international hunting. I've seen you. I think you've done Russian brown bear hunts. You've done. I'm looking at some kind of ibex on the wall back there. Or ibex and tur and um, Mongolia, Russia, Azerbaijan, um, and that's the European countries that have been to or Spain. Uh huh. So what has been the best international experience you've had and what, and what has been the worst? You know, um, I really haven't had a bad experience. You know, the hunting, as you know, is internationally is full of, you just got to be really patient. You know, there's countries you go to like, um, you know, you go to African countries, you got to bribe everybody, you know, it depends on what country you go to, but some of those countries, they still work completely work on, you got to pay this guy, you got to pay this guy, you got to pay this guy to get your rifle permit. You got to pay this guy. Oh yeah. Um, so I would say the best experience that I ever had was basically any time that I've ever got to be in Africa. Um, as a, when I was in college, I started reading red Capstick. you know, one right. of his first, one of his books for the first time, and obviously you probably read Capstick, so you know it was a captivating writer that that a lot, a lot of alliteration, you felt like you're actually there, you know, and I was like, I can't wait. That's where I got to go. I mean, I'm going to join the um, the, the uh, charitable association so I can go over there and build some huts and maybe end up shooting something, you know, like that. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I, I just truly love the, the African, the culture and the, the people and, and just seeing a place that is so incredibly backwards from the rest of the world yeah well so what is left on your your international bucket list um or, you I, could, I, or it could be north american you know i don't know if you've shot a yeah. moose or, or you know something like that i really like the the, the mountain hunts uh, there's another species of tur and, and some other species of ibex that I'd like to go. You know, those those hunts, you get up there in the top of those mountains and you feel like you're the only person in the world and um, the solitude and, and the, the accomplishment after it's over, whenever you realize what you did, you know, you're halfway up a mountain and you're like, I can't go another step. And then two or three hours later, you're at the top of the mountain and and you, you just feel a sense of uh, self-worth and and like you really did something to earn your, earn your animal. If you're fortunate enough to end up getting one. <clears throat> yeah. Well, we are going to work in a quick break here, Jason. Uh, we'll come back. Still lots to get into, uh, including Instagram shutting you down. Um, Kentucky bourbon. We both love that. And uh, also some long range stuff. So that's coming up next. That segment was brought to you by SCI, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. I'm a proud member. You should join our ranks as well, because when it comes to a group of folks protecting your rights as hunters, furthering the educational component of sustainable use hunting, and of course, practicing conservation day in and day out. 
Nobody does more than SCI. They put their money where their mouth is. For more info, check us out at safariclub.org. We'll be right back on SCI's Star Outdoor But I don't have any time Left to wander in amusement Left to ride my breath is dying There's something nostalgic about the old-timey general store, and that's exactly what you're going to find in downtown Goldwaite, Texas, at the Mills County General Store. They're licensed FFL with rifle, pistols, and shotguns, ammo, gun accessories, hunting accessories, deer, corn, and attractants, sporting goods. They've got a wide array of knives to choose from, plus insulated apparel for both work and camo for hunting season, fishing supplies. They've got foods like Anchor Tea, grass-fed beef, Dublin sodas, gourmet sauces, and a whole lot more. Also, Ace Hardware. From wall to wall, they have it all. Check it out. The Mills County General Store right there in Goldwaite, Texas. Hey guys, Cable here. And if you're listening to this show, you probably like ARs. And I'm not talking about antler restrictions. I'm talking about, you know, ARs. Modern sporting rifles. And Timber Creek Outdoors has the best way I've found to take your AR to the next level. It's the Enforcer Kit. It features high-end performance parts, and jaw-dropping looks. It's perfect for sportsmen, competitors, firearms, enthusiasts, and people who trust their lives to their equipment, like you and I. When combined together, these parts improve usability, as well as ergonomics, big word there, and dependability of any small-framed modern sporting rifle. Timber Creek products are manufactured by Americans in the USA, God bless America, and they implement uncompromising quality control and offer a lifetime warranty They've got a bunch of different color options, something for everybody. I've got a Hunter Green Enforcer Kit on my 224 Valkyrie. Absolutely love it. You will too. Check out the Enforcer Kit at TimberCreekOutdoorsInc.com. Brandon, some dude named Loza Alexander with a gem right there. Oh, man. Good stuff. Cable Smith welcoming everybody back to SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. We're still visiting with our good friend Jason Jeter. Uh, before we get back into that conversation, however, this segment proudly brought to you by the new Mossberg 940 semi-auto shotgun platform. This thing is replacing their uh, 930, and let me tell you, it is awesome. If you don't like cleaning your shotguns, which I absolutely do not, hey, this thing, 1,500 rounds through it before you need to think about cleaning it. It is light. That doesn't mean that it thumps, though, but uh, it's smooth, and generally speaking, I don't think you can find a better semi-auto for under $1,000. Check it out. It's the 940. They've got the uh, field the Waterfowl, and the Pro out right now, fall 2021. You can find it at Mossberg.com. Well, jumping back into our conversation with Jason Jeter, let's talk about Instagram because you texted me like two weeks ago and you said the words that I think is com- they're coming for all of us. It's just a matter of time. But you were like, hey, they deleted my page. like, And you said you hadn't even posted in what, like three days or something? Yeah, two days I hadn't made a post. So and 
no warning just, or anything. No, I was just surfing around on on there in a white screen with a, a rotating dial in the middle popped up and it did that for about 10 seconds, like something was buffer five seconds, like something was buffering. And then it said, your content does not follow our guidelines. Um, your, your page is a warning or risk of being deleted, blah, blah, blah. Um, here's how you can maybe able to get your page back. So I had to fill out just like a phone number and personal information. And then it said they'll be in contact in 24 hours. And basically to the, within an hour, 24 hours later, I was able to log in the account again. And it took me to the help center where you could file a dispute. I filed the dispute and within about four or five hours, the page came back. Somebody else told me, you know, I started a backup page and somebody on that backup page said, hey, your page is back up. And um, so I just went ahead and really didn't, I've kind of quit posting super graphic or controversial things because I, you know, I ran the business from that page, you know, the hog hunting business Mm -hmm. and didn't want to lose it. And I just posted guns every time that I'd had a warning about deleted posts, it was for sale of illegal goods or goods not allowed, which was guns and ammo by mm-hmm. Instagram. You know, cause you can't sell guns and ammo on Instagram. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I don't sell guns to anyone, you know, much less on Instagram. Well, and then mine. <laughs> exactly. I'm not going to sell them to anybody else. They call either. it, they use the term regulated goods because that's what I've gotten on my page. Regulated goods. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Which I've never sold guns or ammo on there either. So yeah. Yeah. So, um, I got the page back and then last Friday, um, I posted a picture of, um, a new McWhorter rifle and, um, a cigar and there was a box of ammo there. And about an hour after I posted that said that your page has been, um, disabled again. And that was on Friday. I didn't know that. What's that? I didn't know that. Yeah, no, it's gone again. That happened on Friday. It's gone right now as we're talking. The backup page is still there, but the other one's gone, my original page. How um, many followers did you have? 45,000. A lot. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and I, I haven't got it back yet. It doesn't say that it's been deleted. It just says your page is disabled. Huh. I, filed, oh, wow. I filed, uh, filed the discrepancy or whatever, but I haven't heard anything. But they never gave you, so they just said regulated goods. So they just don't like the fact that you post a lot of pictures of guns, essentially. I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah. I don't wow. know. Wow. I, uh, well, I obviously hope that you get it back. And if you don't, yeah, we'll pre- try to get you, your, your followers back up to where they need to be, where they should be. All that content, though, years worth of, I, a lot of it's educational stuff, too, you know? And I actually said that in part of the, you know, the, in the discrepancy deal that I've, you know, filed or dispute um, that, you know, that a lot of the things that I try and do on that or try to be educational about, you know, things that I didn't, I didn't want to list, you know, gunsmithing or like that, but that was what I was getting at with that is, you know, there's a lot of stuff and a lot of resource information that you could look back and, and get from, you know, the 2,500 posts or whatever that were on that page. Yeah. That's insanity. I got last week I had, uh, and I know you saw it, but I posted this picture of this call buck. He would be a great buck for, for Henry to shoot real gnarly. And I, and I said the word, Hey, do you, I think it was like, do you think this buck will make antler restrictions? Cause he's not very wide. Right. But he sure is cool. He'd make a great first buck. Uh-huh. I said, I'd even shoot him myself if, if he walked out towards the end of the season and then they've deleted within, within 20 minutes, that post was deleted. 
on all it was was a picture of a deer saying yeah and then next to the feeder yeah so right yeah. and 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 they they said the the word shoot i think that's how they flagged it right they said this post goes against our community guidelines for promoting harm or coordinating crime promoting harm to what legally hunting a deer an animal right but yet I can go and dude, there's this other page. Someone sent me. There's like, I can't believe they they deleted your post, but here's what they allow on their platform. And it's the page is called the N word doing S H S word. So, yeah. And it's just them killing each other. Yep. Murder after murder. And, and, it, and it's not all black people. It's white people too. It's just, but the, the name of the page is offensive as hell. And then you look at the content and it's human on human uh, assault, battery, murder. One guy I saw get shot in the head. Sense of rips him out of his trunk, shoots him point blank in the head, and then runs over him in his car two times just to make sure he's good and dead. And they allow that stuff on their platform. And then guys like you and I are getting censored for educational hunting content. It's it's mind blowing, dude. It's, we're not even playing on this on a level playing field. Yeah, I mean it, it all, and, and it's been like this for so long. I'm sure you know your page has a huge following, but I'm sure that if the shadow bands and all of that stuff was back to where it was five years ago. You you know you'd you'd have a million followers by now on your page. I would would yeah. and but nowadays there's no way a page doing what we can do like you'll never be able to grow you know yeah. like you could five or six years ago. I've been at 145 for uh, ten months. I don't mm-hmm. lose, but I, I can't. They don't let me get any traction. Don't let you get any traction. Yeah. No, not Easy. at all. Yeah, it's absurd, man. What's going on there? So uh, so. Like I said, I didn't know your page was gone again. Absolutely ridiculous. I don't even know what to say. I, I, I don't know how they pick and choose because there's plenty of other pages like ours that like, so why, why Jason's page? I don't know. There's no, yeah. there's no rhyme or reason. It seems like they're just making up the rules as they go. Mm-hmm. We don't even know what the rules are. You're selling, they're telling you you're selling guns when you're not. Yeah. And there's no explanation. It's just like, here's what we say it is. And you just have to take it or leave it, you know? Mm-hmm. Or you take it to take it because <laughs> that's how yeah. it works. So I, I don't use Twitter a lot, but this ties right into our conversation. Last night, an uh, Instagram follower said, hey, your Twitter's hacked. I go over there today, and it's now a porn page. And, really? And I don't. I think I have 4,000 followers, but I, I mean, I do use it. Not religiously. I can't keep up with that in Instagram yeah. and Facebook. So that's kind of like the one that I, I don't pay attention to the most. But yeah, now it's a porn page, and... I've emailed Twitter like, Hey, I can't get my page back. I can't, I don't, they're like, we'll log in and change your password. I'm like, they, they changed changed everything. Like, I don't know how to do that. I'm like, here's the page that I own. Here's my followers. They deleted all my tweets, deleted everything, but this is my page. I I haven't heard back from them. So I I, I doubt once they look at the content that's on there where it's all, you know, anti-wokeism stuff that they're going to be like, Oh yeah, let's give this guy his page back. Exactly right. They're probably gonna be like, "Oh, more porn. That's better." <laughs> yeah, dude, yeah, it's crazy, crazy. Um, well, so what what hunts do you have planned coming up for this fall? Really, I don't. I've got a I've got a lease up in the Panhandle of Texas where we've got uh, mule deer, whitetail, and and all dad free ranging in the Cap Rocks up there. So uh, I was up there this weekend, saw a bunch of. Saw a bunch of odd ad and, and pretty decent mule deer buck and and uh, so that's that's basically all I've got on the books for for this uh, this season. So that's where I've seen quite a few odd ad on your page over the years. Yeah, so that's they all come up there. Yeah, 
Awesome. There's a pocket in these cap rocks of probably about, I don't know, six or eight square miles that have a, a pretty large population of them. And then they, they don't really wander outside that area. So, <clears throat> so you, you do a, a bit of long range shooting, right? I do. That's, that's really what I'm most passionate about when it comes to shooting. <clears throat> so when and you that, travel to Europe and stuff like that, you're shooting these animals at, at pretty far distances. Um, yeah. Most of the time it ends up being that way. Uh, it's not like I've taken shots that I couldn't have waited on and got closer. They were ne- out of necessity. Right. So the long range shooting that I do uh, all year long really comes, really comes in handy. Um, 696 yards is the longest shot I've made on an international hunt. And uh, that was uh, a tour in Azerbaijan. Okay. And so what is your favorite long range caliber and why is it the 6.5 Creedmoor? <laughs> because because <laughs> everyone says the 6.5 Creedmoor, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, the three, the big 338s, you know, the, the Pua, I have an edge. I'm having a 338 Norma built right now and they're all essentially the same. A 300 grain bullet at about 2,850 feet per second. And, and, uh, it just kills the wind and out there beyond, beyond a thousand, beyond 1500 past a mile, it just keeps on going and stays supersonic a, a long time. So you don't go through the, uh, the transition where bullets start tumbling and stuff like that for a distance. And, and you can, you can see your hits the way that I practice long range shooting is up there in the panhandle in the cap rock country where you've got infinity targets. You can get on a cap rock and you can look in any direction and use your range finder and you can find a, you can find something from 2000 or 3000 yards to, you know, 400 yards and you just pick, Oh, there's a rock right there. And you shoot and you see where your hits land, whether they land on the rock or they land on the ground next to the rock. But that big bullet hitting makes it easier for you to follow your shots and you can huh. see the track going through the air when the conditions are right yeah okay yeah. that is a big bullet is that do you think that that's very common for the the long range uh, aficionados um yeah the big 338s are or big 30 caliber um you know the 6.5 caliber is a really high ballistic coefficient bullet um but it it runs out of steam out there ways, you know, and, and so the big 30 calibers and the big three thirty eights, I think are, are kind of, uh, where most of those guys go with it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, when I look at like the, uh, competitive match shooting, the long range stuff, it seems like it's six, five, it's 300 wind mag and it's seven mag generally speaking. Are they yeah, not no. shooting in those matches? They're not shooting out as far as, as you're talking about. What you run into also with those things is recoil, you know, uh, and, and most of those matches, I think they do allow suppressed guns in some of them, but um, even with a break, the 338 is hard for you to see your hits. Even the big, the big 300s too, it's hard for you to see your hits, which is real important for those guys to be able to have a low enough recoil level that they can stay on the scope and see their bullet impact and see where they miss. So they know how to correct for the next shot, you know? So the big three thirty eights for those guys is, is kind of, it's outside the realm of what they need to do to do those competitions. So what is your favorite Texas whitetail caliber? It's a loaded question because everyone has their own, but. Yeah, I honestly, I don't really have a favorite caliber, whatever gun looks shiniest that day is <laughs> out there, but I probably use uh 65284 the 300 more than anything else. 
Yeah. I, I love my, my 300 wood mag personally. It's uh yeah, I mean, you can do and It's if I had to pick one caliber to do everything with for the rest of my life, and it was the only thing that I got to use it'd be a 300 wood mag. Yeah. Yeah. But Hey, I still like the 270 for certain places where, uh, my shots are inside 200 yards and oh, yeah. yeah. It, it's, yeah. it's a good low recoil rifle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's see if I had anything else for you today. Oh yeah, of course. Bourbon. So, you know, they're not going to delete your page for posting bourbon and cigars, but usually there's a gun mixed in there that gets you in trouble. Yeah. Um, you, you've, you have a very nice bourbon collection. When did you first start liking bourbon? Because I don't think everyone, when they turn 21, it's like, oh, yeah, I like bourbon now. You know, it's more like, oh, I graduated from Keystone to Miller Lite. Exactly. Yeah. 2000 and the end of 2016. Um, and before that, I had no interest in bourbon. I, Crown and Coke, you know, Ryan Coke is, is what I had drank. <laughs> years, you know, that that was the drink. And uh, in 2016, I, um, my my parents have racehorses and we were in in Rio Dosa and uh, they had a horse that won the All-American Futurity. You know, it's a big, big racehorse, biggest racehorse, uh, quarter horse race in the world. And I wanted to get something nice to celebrate. So I'm like, well, I'm, I've heard of Pappy Van Winkle and I'm, I'm going to get some of this. You know, we're going to see what it's all about and celebrate this deal. And uh, then I started Googling it, and saw the price and and. I nearly had a heart attack <laughs> and that was prices then it's nearly tripled now yeah. in the last five years or so. But, uh, so I got a bottle of, of 10 year Pappy. It was old Rip Van Winkle. It's not the full on Pappy Van Winkle, you know, their 10 year version. And, uh, I, so I started reading up on it and started developing a little bit of palette for it. And, and, uh, and it just kind of took off. Mm. Well, so, we, okay. Pappy's, yeah, like you said, that that's going to be a very expensive bottle today, a lot more than it was, because bourbon, especially with COVID, it became like even more so. I have buddies that don't hunt, but they text me and they're like, "I went hunting today," and they just send me what they scored at the liquor store, bourbon wise. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. One guy, he he gets me a couple of nice bottles, and I shoot him a deer every year, and we do some old school frontier, yeah. frontier bartering. Yeah. Um, so, in your opinion as someone that I would trust and, and I love bourbon. Um, my favorite bang for your buck right now is the old Forrester prohibition. Like just what, what you can get at a store. Like, Hey, I can walk into X liquor store and maybe have a chance of finding this. What is your favorite, you know, bang for your buck. You're not going to break the bank. That's easily accessible. Uh, bourbon. The 1920 that you were just talking about. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's what, you know, people say, Hey, what's a great bottle of bourbon that costs, um, 200 bucks. I want to give some, well, I, you can tell somebody that, but they'll never be able to find that bottle of bourbon. Right. But when he says, what can I go in there and buy for, you know, decent money, 50, 60 bucks, maybe 70, if that's what it costs that I know I'm going to be able to find it's old Forester 1920, the prohibition style. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm really surprised that that's not an allocated bourbon. I mean, it's, it's so it's, it's such, such a great drink. Yeah, it's so smooth, and it's also like uh, what is it, 115 proof or something like 117, that. 117, I think. Yeah. 117. Yeah. 117 or 114. Yeah. yeah. One of the other. Oh, yeah. it's delicious. If y'all haven't, if you haven't had it, well, we both agree. Uh, that's yeah. the one to to try to find. Which it's you shouldn't have a hard time finding it. Uh, hey, if you want to give for now, everyone your backup page since you are uh, yes, dealing sir. with this crap. 
It's uh, Jason underscore Jeter underscore. And uh, has a picture of a guy smoking a cigar on top of a mountain in Russia. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even going to try to talk cigars with you. That's your way out of my league on that. I'm just like, <laughs> give me the one that doesn't give me a hang. Like the cigars give me a hangover worse than, than alcohol ever did. And yeah, they- I mean, I can't even do the, the, the dark ones. Like no way hangover yeah. for me. The Maduro's. Yeah. Maduro. Sorry. Yeah. I'd like to think that I could, and I like the way they taste, but no allergies. Next- yeah. Yeah. But, uh, well, cool. Y'all give Jason a follow. Hopefully the uh, other page will come back up. I, you know, I hate that you're dealing with that crap. Everyone pre- that, that speaks their mind, speaks the truth and, and likes the second amendment, I think is, uh, we're all in for some kind of retribution here from big tech because they don't like us. But yeah, I hate to hear that. And, but I agree with you completely. <clears throat> yeah. well, right on, man. Well, Hey, I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, we'll have to get together and do a hunt sometime. And, uh, have a have a glass of bourbon or three we'll do it cable thanks for having me on your show i appreciate that all right buddy take care all right keep in touch man so there he goes texas pro rodeo hall of famer hunter bourbon and cigar aficionado jason jeter that segment brought to you by the vortex venom 5 to 25 by 56 34 millimeter rifle scope this is my favorite optic of 2021 affordable um, you're going to get into long range shooting. Well, hey, for 600 bucks, you can even, someone told me they saw them on sale for 499. You're not going to find a better optic. Low light uh, situations, awesome magnification. We've all been there. Can't shoot the buck, not enough light, still have plenty of legal shooting time, but you've got a crappy optic on your rifle. No more. Check out the Vortex Venom. You can find it at vortexoptics.com. Coming up next, Brian Lynn of Sportsman's Alliance joins us. We're talking wolves and who knows what else on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. If you're looking to remodel your home, add a deck or arbor to the back patio, redo your fence, or build your dream home from the ground up, Look no further than ECR Construction Group. My longtime bow hunting buddy, Josh Brown, is someone you can trust to deliver honest work on time. ECR Construction Group also serves the North Texas area, specializing in roofing, barn dominium builds, painting, and carpentry. So for your next project, call the folks I trust. That's ECR Construction Group at 214-400-1444 or ecrcg.com. In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of North Texas in Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, McKinney, Paris, and Sherman. Visit BobcatofDallas.com today. You told me there was more to life than just getting by If you want your dreams, the only limit is the sky If you use your head, then you won't have to break your back You told me how to drink my coffee black Cable Smith, welcoming everybody back into SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show presented by Mossberg Firearms Black. The name of that one from Travis Meadows, and he's talking about his coffee 
and the way that his grandfather taught him how to drink it. Love that tune because it reminds me of my grandfather in the same situation. And at this exact moment, I'm sipping on a cup of Just Black from Black Rifle Coffee, America's favorite coffee company, veteran-owned and operated. And uh, here's the cool thing. Whether you want coffee or some of their cool swag, you'll save 20% off your order when you use my promo code LONESTAR20 at BlackRifleCoffee.com. Use it and use it often. All right, um, let's bring on our next guest here, making his return to the program, joining us from up in uh, Washington State somewhere. It's my pleasure to welcome Sportsman's Alliance VP of, I think he's a VP of everything. He's a jack of all trades, but Brian Lynn, thanks for being here as always. Thank you, man. Good to be back. Yeah, absolutely. You've been busy. Uh, you just told me off the air you, you've been doing nothing but hunting the last three days. Yeah, yeah. No, got out on some property and uh, chasing some deer. It's only a 10-day early season rifle hunt here, so... I was out doing that all weekend and trying to learn the property as I go. And then uh, next weekend, I'm taking my nephew out, mm-hmm. trying to get him his first deer. He just got his hunter's ed, so I'm going to try to get him his deer and nice. stuff. So we'll see. It uh, unsuccessful weekend. I saw two mule deer does is all, but I had 22 head of elk within 100 yards of me, including a 5 by 5 So nice. that was exciting. Elk season's not open, but hey, whatever. (laughs) What does it take for a Washington State resident to get an elk tag? Uh, It depends on where. Uh, I think in this unit, I think it's in any any elk, but uh, it depends on which unit. Uh You can just buy them over the counter as a resident? Yeah. Oh, that's convenient. There are draw hunts for, you know, big animals in in different areas, but a lot of them are just over the counter. And... Are these Rockies still? Yes, I believe so. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I didn't know if y'all had Roosevelt's or if this was Rocky Mountain. Yeah. So, so yeah, going to try to kill a deer and then uh, head to Idaho for elk and throw in some pheasant. So, yeah, do this all weekend. Pheasant hunt on Monday uh, at a put and take place just to tune the dog up and then head for Idaho and then come back and back to pheasant and hopefully some deer what kind of dog do you have black lab okay so does your does your lab work behind pointers or does it is it a pointing lab or not just a flushing dog so he and i go out there and yeah put the miles in and go after some uh, public land birds most of the time which around here can be tough uh hopefully it was a better hatch and now that he's got his first season under him hopefully he figures out the game and and is a little more efficient yeah well, that's how mine have always been. Is that they'll they'll honor and work behind a a pointing dog, but I don't have a pointing dog, so most of the most of the miles we put in is just her, you know, walking 10, 15 yards in front of me and just flushing them out. Yeah, yeah. And then, no, it's it's fun, you know, keeps the action going. Once in a while I even shoot one. So <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going out Monday with a buddy who's never really hunted much. So uh We'll see. I just said number one rule: don't shoot my dog, mm-hmm. or me. Yeah, yeah, me. I, I prefer not to get shot, but uh, <laughs> just don't shoot the dog for sure. <laughs> Do you guys have a lot of grouse in Washington State? Yeah, yeah, we got grouse, and and so yeah, we have grouse. It's actually a great upland bird and waterfowl state. You know, we have grouse, chucker, huns, uh, pheasant, oh, quail, wow. um, and then we're usually like the 
somewhere around the fifth, sixth uh, in the nation in waterfowl harvest. Mm. So a kind of a unknown, unknown there, you know, mm. unless you're real hardcore, it's a, uh, it's a great state, diver ducks, puddle ducks, uh, sea ducks, everything. So, I mean, I know cinnamon teal use primarily the, uh, primarily the central, I mean, excuse me, the Pacific flyway. Like I know guys that have shot them in Texas, especially like the Texas panhandle, but it's still so rare. Yeah. I really want a fully plumed out Drake cinnamon teal. Yeah. Um, Pretty much got to go to Mexico. Or New Mexico. Well, New Mexico has them, but I know California has a lot of them too. Yeah. But they got to yeah. be, if they're ending up in Mexico, they've got to be passing through somewhere. Yeah. They're, they're, they're here. They're all along the West coast and we'll have them up here, but they move out. They move out before the, you know, any of the others, the green or the blue. So, so do you guys have an place. early teal season there? Uh, no, not really. That's stupid. Um, uh, we so do. I mean, that's how we get into the blue wing teal in Texas is like, yeah, usually yeah. it's third weekend, third and fourth weekends of September. It's like yeah. a two week. Well, it's no, it's a two week season. It's three weekends. Yeah. Uh, it kind of um, coincides with our resident Canada goose season. Yeah. We have teal uh, to stick around, you know, with the season, but uh, those probably green wing teal though. Yeah. Those cinnamons get out of there quick. Like okay. so they like they they are like the blue wingers. They're they're gone. Yeah, they're gone before the blue wings. It goes the cinnamons, the blues, and the greens. Mm. And so they're they bounce out quick. <laughs> the only time I've ever seen one in person, and at first I was like, What is is that a ruddy duck? Because the ruddy ducks plume like after the season's over and their yeah. the males are the drakes are beautiful. I've yeah. never you know, I've shot ruddy ducks, but they always just look at this brown little butterball thing. <laughs> uh but I was like, oh, is that a, that's cool. Is that a ruddy duck? And I got my binos out and I was like, that's a cinnamon teal. So I got like snuck over the dam and just looked at him for like 15 minutes. Yeah. And just, they are this cool. Is so cool. I've never I seen one. one. I want uh, one bad. So I might have to go to Mexico. It'd be a good reason to go to Mexico. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then that little temptation. It's like, well, I could shoot this thing and no one would ever know. But I would know. And how would you ever talk about yeah. conservation for a living again? And the thing I don't get about poaching really. More so than like doing this for a job, which means you have to be very careful. You can't talk about following the rules and conservation and be a hypocrite. It doesn't work yeah. out for people that have tried it in, in this industry. Yeah. Uh, you're a very short career if that happens. Yeah. But the thing that I don't understand is like people take pride in putting something that they either stole, yeah, like um, like I you stole a mount or you stole somebody's rack. Yeah. So you either steal it or you poach it and then you put it on the wall. How are you ever proud of that? If I ever did that, I guarantee you the only thing I would ever feel is shame walking by that every time. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Remember when you were an asshole and you didn't follow the game regulations? Yeah, there. Yeah, it's like okay, so you got it out of season when it wasn't as difficult and there wasn't as much pressure and they yeah. weren't, you know, as susceptible. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it either. I mean, there was just a big poaching ring busted in uh, Oregon. And, uh, you know, they were looking for there's text messages that were used against them where they were looking for under the radar in quotes under the radar taxidermist to, you know, get these elk and deer and, and mountain lions and bears and everything wow. else, you know, wow. mounted. And it's like, yeah, how do you hang that and walk by it and, you know, feel pride. I, I just I, couldn't I do it. it. I mean, that's the thing that keeps me from doing it more than anything else is like just the shame. Like, yeah. You, then you'd have to come up with some lie about how you shot it. Uh -huh. It's just, just like this it and repeat it dark, and repeat it. <laughs> dirty spiral of one thing after another. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't understand it. So um, anyway, it was cool to see a cinnamon teal. I still want to get one. 
Yeah, totally definitely. not what I was expecting about talking about today, but I, I enjoy talking about <laughs> here we it. are. You know, it's human nature. It's like, oh, I could do that. But then, you know, it's like reality. I would never. Yeah. I, I just don't know how I could ever like be proud of hunting ever again if I did. Oh, something yeah. Like that. Yeah. I mean, I had a five by five bull elk standing 100 yards at broadside. Mm. You know, the season's in two weeks. But yeah. that's the difference between a poacher and a hunter is the the, the, the hunter will take that time to just observe it and, and appreciate yeah. being in the same moment in that moment with that animal. Yeah. Uh, regardless that's of you know, exactly the what I was doing. I was like, okay, how close are these guys going to get, yeah. you know? And I, I was so raising cool. my glass and looking at him, counting his points and then in the range finder. And yeah. I kind of moved and looked over to the side and looked at the other 12 animals that were a hundred to 150 yards away. Maybe. Huh. I mean, the cows got to within 50 yards of me. Mm -hmm. you know so it's just cool just watching them coming in and all right when's this when's the gig gonna be up and what's gonna happen and they didn't the wind was perfect and they just happened to veer as on a little hillside and they just kind of veered around to the bottom of it yeah it was awesome some of the you know those are some of the best moments in the world oh, yeah. i think it's got just, me jazzed uh, up I, that got me gonna lit it up for the season now i'm ready to get yeah. out there and I'm like go have my kids meeting and then <laughs> jump out there for the evening hunt well, I want to talk about the always controversial wolf issue. And you know, they've been, I don't remember a time in my 13, 14 years, however long I've been doing this in my career, where wolves haven't been at the forefront. They are always in the news. Uh, somebody's trying to protect them. Somebody else is always trying to say, we need to knock down their numbers. Um, and it's interesting to see how the state the different state agencies handle it. The Western states, Wyoming, Montana, Idaho, have done a far better job than the Great Lakes states. And I think a lot of that has to do with like politically, the Great Lakes states didn't have the ability to manage their own seasons until what, two years ago? Well, they've been delisted three different times. We've fought three different times. One, had them delisted over the last 15 years. Three different times they've been delisted. The animal rights organizations sue on some technicality or something else and get them relisted so they've been delisted and relisted three different times over the last 15 or so years so here's my question how do they have more success getting those relisted than than the western states like the western states just more like the western know. states so the western states that was done by an act of congress okay so it was put in as a, on a rider with, I can't remember what bill. So it was, they were delisted by Congress. Mm -hmm. So they can't be put back on just unilaterally on a technicality like that. They have to go through the entire process again to relist, um, which is kind of up in the air right now, as far as they're being asked to relist them uh, by the Center for Biological Diversity in the Western Watershed or yeah, Western Watersheds. Um, saying that the, the all those wolves in the West need to be relisted. Uh -huh. But so the irony is that the Great Lakes have more wolves than the Western states. It's yeah. not even close. Yeah. yeah. And I was in a hunting camp one time in Pike County, Illinois, uh, whitetail hunting, and ran into these two hunters from Wisconsin that were in the same bunkhouse as us. And they said dude, that just in the last 15 years, They've noticed like a 50% drop in the number of deer that they see because of the wolves. 
That's what I've heard. And then the hound guys, you know, they go after bears and that's a dinner bell for the wolves. Yeah. Which is oh, yeah. weird. Like the, the wolves will chase, like the wolves will go, if the hounds are going after bears, the wolves will hunt the hounds. Yeah. But if you turn the pack loose on the wolves, they run. Mm-hmm. And that's how you can hunt them with wool. It's really weird. It's it's an interesting dynamic that I'd love to learn more about. Huh. But uh, yeah, you gotta have some rough dogs to be going after wolves. I yeah, imagine. yeah. Uh, they're not going up a tree, so no. But I guess uh, they split up. They the the pack breaks up or something like that. I don't I don't have a full grasp on it, mm-hmm. but uh, it's something that when you turn them loose on them, they split up. It's a dog eat dog world out there. Yeah. (laughs) Well, so why I wanted to have this conversation though, Wisconsin, I'm reading this and I'm like, okay, so they have a department of natural resources and they have a advisory board that gives them a recommendation for 300 wolves. This is in August. They, you know, we need to have, take 300 wolves out of the X. I don't know if it's like 1500 or 2000 they have in Wisconsin. It's a lot. They have a lot of wolves there. They're like, our goal ultimately is 350 wolves total in Wisconsin. So to start getting towards that number, we need to kill 300 this year. And then the Wisconsin, what is it? Their wildlife agency comes back and says, no, nah, we're just going to do a uh, hundred and thirty or something. What was the number? Uh, I think it was maybe 130, but like one third of what the uh, advisory board recommended so why even have the advisory board yeah yeah you get into a lot of politics you get into as well perception and pr so remember what happened when they opened up the season there right after the lower 48d listing and went out and you know using fuzzy math they exceeded the quota you know but that's in throwing in the indian tribes as well Mm -hmm. and so it became a political nightmare, right? It became a PR nightmare. So they're probably trying to play the PR side of things, cool it down. You know, it's the exact opposite out in the West to Idaho and Montana. Yeah. They've liberalized the take against some of the recommendations of the DNRs because they want to open it up more and bring it down because they're expanding and need to be liberalized. Like, here's what the goals were. Here's where we want them. And we're 10 times the size. And you need to take out, according to a biologist on the article I posted not too long ago, you need to take out at least 40% just to maintain your population. Yeah. And we're there. That's not happening. They're just exponentially blowing up. So, and their population's increasing. So now now for the Idaho stuff, they liberalized it. And now the knee-jerk response on the other side is Center for Biological Diversity and the Natural Resources or the Western Watersheds suing or petitioning to have them relisted. And U.S. Fish and Wildlife came back and said, yeah, that might be warranted depending on how this season goes. So they're going to take a wait-and-see approach. They go out there and slaughter them, and it becomes a PR nightmare. And they might start taking those steps, which I don't know what the legal legalities are yet, of taking those steps to relist them. So it's a bit of a narrow pathway, both sides. We have to work on both sides, right? Like, yep, we want to take more, (laughs) but we can't go hog wild. You know, Mm. 
it's, it's although very tough scientifically thing. we should go hog wild and we should knock the numbers down too yeah. like i know for idaho wyoming montana the goal the deal that they struck when the u.s fish and wildlife service said in 1995 we're putting wolves back in your states whether you like it or not and they're like well if you're going to do that then we need to have something locked down that gives us control once we reach the quota that you set so they had a very um I guarantee you if the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service could do it again, they would have made the quotas a lot higher. But it was like 10 breeding pairs in each state and like 150 wolves, somewhere in that ball, yeah. that realm. Yeah. You know, and now each one of those states is like... 10 I mean, Yeah, um, Idaho, Idaho has over 1,000 wolves. Idaho Fish and Game, people don't want to hear this. I don't care. They shoot them out of the helicopter and leave them there because yeah. they know it's a problem. And if your state wildlife agency is shooting them out of a helicopter off the record, like, they don't publicize that. Like... Then well, you know that, there's, and the you trust that, these people to manage your wildlife. Why would they be doing that if it wasn't warranted? They're not out there just joy killing wolves. Nobody would do that. Yeah, and and the thing about the populations is that's confirmed. That's mm -hmm. a number they feel very solid in, and it's usually a very conservative number. Yeah, you know, so that's at least a thousand or at least fifteen hundred you know it's at least it's the bare minimum that they can confirm scientifically through verifiable facts and extrapolate from yeah it's not what is actually out there yeah well you know it would be for me i think it would limit your wolf hunting opportunity but if you had closer to that 150 200 wolves per state then you could actually do okay now we're going to have a draw and we're only going to issue 20 tags a year, you know, something like that. Then it becomes a lot more prestigious. Like, Oh yeah, I got my wolf tag. You know, like they become more expensive instead of, cause you can buy a wolf tag for a freaking nickel. That's like 20 bucks, 40 bucks. Oh yeah. No, you can be like now wolf tags thousand dollars. If you really want to hunt a wolf. Okay. Yeah. Um, but like long-term that would never work either. Cause then you're only killing 20 wolves a year, but it sounds like a cool idea. <laughs> yeah you know sounds wait, wait, like i just did the math in my head i was like wait this doesn't make sense because we'd only be killing 20 wolves a year <laughs> we need to kill a lot more than that <laughs> or, or in like five years we're in the same position <laughs> you know and it's just to be honest it's not easy to kill a wolf and if it oh, is no. easy then you know the populations are way out of whack right you know? yeah so it, they are it's not even easy to see a wolf no really i mean especially uh, you know i mean out here in the West where I live, you know, it's big country, it's steep country, it's rugged and they can travel. I mean, they, they'll be in one drainage one day and they'll be 20 miles away the next. You and know? how is Washington state's wolf population? Just out of curiosity. It's, it's growing. I mean, here where I live right on the border with Idaho, we have a lot and we have issues and they go from up North is where most of the packs are, but they've expanded all the way to the South into Oregon. And then they've crossed over into the middle of the state. And I think this last year they have confirmed one or two breeding pair over on the West side, which is good. And because then that starts to fulfill the state's recovery plan. They had to have X number of breeding pairs and, in X number of different areas of the entire state. Well, mm -hmm. been over here on the west side and where I live, you're getting hammered now, and and we couldn't do anything about them. And they've mm -hmm. killed a couple of packs. The state has killed packs for depredation, and they're delisted federally in Eastern Washington, but they're still under the state's Endangered Species Act until they fulfill these mm. mating confirmed pairs. And so the fact that they've gone over to the Cascades, 
is a good thing. Check it off. Let's get them off of there. It'll end up being a lawsuit and a fight. Yeah, because they're they're going regardless. That's what people don't understand is these wolves are expanding and breeding rapidly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's no reason to introduce them into Colorado like the ballot initiative did because they're already there. Yeah. That's idiotic. But that's more control than natural immigration. It's then you have to meet the criteria of the Endangered Species Act versus, Mm -hmm. oh, they have a sustainable population. Now we need to manage them. Now they have more control and more red, more red herrings and more, you know, red tape that they can sue on. Well, I always love tracking what's going on with wolves. It's, it's fascinating. And it's, it's one of those things where, and I don't know why this species more so than any other, like that black bear skin, that rug that's on your wall. Yeah. People, they don't get up in arms about killing black bears. They really don't. You know, okay, like, all right, <laughs> let's take California out of the equation. And New Jersey. And Florida. And, okay, all right, now it's starting to add, starting <laughs> and to add up. And New but, Jersey. <laughs> yeah. But they don't, black bears don't, they don't get the same love that wolves get. And yeah, or grizzlies. It's like this, uh, it's, it's something they don't ever understand. It's a, to me, it's just a bigger version of a coyote. Yeah. They're cool. I don't, you know, I shoot coyotes. I don't hate coyotes. I, I want coyotes to be around, but it's, it, you know, it's like anything else. You got to manage them. Yeah. You can't just having, have them run roughshod over everything. Yeah. They'll eat themselves out of house and home. We already talked, I mean, they, we already talked about how prolific they are breeding, expanding yeah. their range. So. Yeah. Like I always say, it's like, you know, I, I always watched the Simpsons growing up, you know, it's like turning Bart Simpson loose at a all you can eat buffet. Like, nothing good is going to happen if you don't you know limit that <laughs> right right um well we'll continue to monitor monitor what's going on with uh with uh, the petition to have the western wolves relisted as the knee-jerk reaction to montana and, and idaho literally just saying here's our middle fingers you know suck yeah. it yeah um let's do this let's take a quick break we'll come back and get into some concerning uh petition that would adversely affect interstate hunting, like out-of-state license tags. Forget about it. The conservation dollars associated with those, yeah, all down the drain if something like this were to get passed. We'll discuss next that segment, proudly brought to you by All Seasons Feeders and Blinds. You can find their entire lineup at allseasonsfeeders.com. We'll be right back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. I know every engineer on every train all of their children and all of their names hey guys cable here for lone star ag credit we've talked about lone star ag credit over the years they're still doing it man if you're looking to finance your own piece of paradise if you're ready to make that dream a reality you know city life eh, it's only getting worse there's no no doubt about that and land's the one thing they're not making any more of whether you're looking for a place to get outdoors and hunt fish, run cattle, um, or just get the hell out of the big city. They've got you covered. They've been doing it for over 100 years. You can find them at LoneStarAgCredit.com. Hey, guys, Cable here. And if there's one service, one company that I rely on heavily when planning my next backcountry hunt, it's Onyx Hunt. They have, for a long time, set the gold standard when it comes to giving me the information I need to basically predict where I'm going to find animals. And if you can hone in on where the animals are going to be, you're going to be more successful. 
Onyx uses their own topo maps, plus, I mean, geographical features like watering holes or a meadow system that works its way down a mountainside where you know those elk are going to be feeding and muleys in the morning and evenings. Yeah, it'll show you that as well. Uh, plus, of course, private property boundaries. Where does the National Forest end? Where does Rancher Joe's property start? Yeah, it's going to show you that as well. So whether you're planning a backcountry hunt or just picking ambush points to hang your tree stands on your whitetail property, Onyx shows it all to you. They've got different layers you can apply to a uh, specific grid or a piece of property. It's really rad. And here's the cool thing. You'll save 20% when you order your Onyx subscription by using my promo code LONESTAR20 when you check out at onxmaps.com. Spawn is right around the corner. Your reels have been re-spooled and the tackle box is ready to roll. But the question is, can your truck handle another season of pulling your boat in and out of the water every weekend? Call David Boone at Third Coast Diesels. He'll make sure your truck is not what sinks your next fishing trip. Offering a widespread array of diesel parts and services, call 214-326-1176 or visit thirdcoastdiesels.com today. They don't know what you don't know I'm gonna hurt you as much as I can And watch you cry and die where you stand I wanna hear your tears hit the floor I'm gonna hurt you And hurt you some more Grant Spank a new one from our very own Cody Jinx hurt you The name of that one Cable Smith here. Thanks for dropping by. SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show presented by Mossberg Firearms. We're still visiting with Brian Lynn of Sportsman's Alliance, and we're going to jump back into that conversation in just a second. This segment is brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy. Josh and Becky Gunther obviously take care of all of my trophy mounts, but hey, they also do great work for you guys. And I sent them uh, my buddy Chisholm Cook. You might know him from uh, the show we host together called Justified Pursuit, total separate entity from from this show, but he snared a 130-pound South Texas mountain lion on his uh, coyote trap line last year. Rustic Reminders mounted that thing, and let me tell you, amazing mount that now hangs over the fireplace at their uh, ranch house in Encinal. And when it comes to cat taxidermy, it's so easy to mess up the face, right? We've all seen those horrible cat mounts, but Becky's the best that I've ever found. She's a maestro. Hell, I'm looking at the links that she did for me right now in my studio. Look right at it. It's amazing. Uh, But it's not just cats. Yes, they're the best at that. But they do impeccable work on white-tailed deer, uh, fish mount replicas, and, of course, like a full African safari. Whatever it is, you take it to them, and they will treat you right and give you back a trophy that you will be proud of for the rest of your life. You can find them at GR the number eight mounts.com. And now without further ado, let's get back into that conversation with sportsman's alliances, Brian Lynn shifting gears, this petition by the uh, center for biodiversity and the natural resource defense council. They're asking the Biden administration. Uh, and I'm gonna let you talk a lot, a little more about what all is in that petition. But the thing that really stands out is the interstate commerce yeah. aspect of the language in their petition. And, and it, it, you know, that would be a lot of money lost for conservation if people just stopped traveling from state to state. Like I just went to New Mexico last month that cost me 
700 and something dollars for my tag, plus all the money I pumped into their local economy, staying there for a week, fueling up, buying food, um, eating uh, ate at this great little brewery in um, uh, Santa Fe. Highly recommend it. I can't remember the name of it, but I'll, I'll think of it. I had a Buffalo a Buffalo chip Philly cheesesteak sandwich and some delicious IPAs. Nice. Um, but yeah, all that stuff adds up, man. And this would cripple it. Yeah, it's a so this petition, these guys are so for years we've been fighting the battle of they've been trying to ban the import of African species. California, it passed both chambers under Governor Jerry Brown, and he vetoed it, saying it was unenforceable. It's the uh, possession transport of African species: lions, leopards, elephants. Uh, at one point, in some places, some states like uh, Connecticut, they'll throw the Cape buffalo in there. Giraffes mm. are a big one. So it's been in California, New Jersey, New York, uh, Connecticut. Those are the big ones off the top of my head. And we keep beating them. I mean, Connecticut, I think, has been three years straight. They've tried to do this, and we beat them every time and stopped it. Uh, and so it's it's just what they've been trying to do at the state level. The federal level with uh, the New Mexico representative uh, Gravalier being the head of the Natural Resources Committee. And Raul big, Grijalva? Yeah. So yeah, he's a guy. huge animal rights activist. Oh, and yeah. A-plus from Humane Society, all sorts of stuff. Um, he's the head of the Resources Natural Defense or Natural Resources Committee. And he introduced CISA language into the last appropriations bill, which does bans the import or it doesn't ban the import it bans it keeps the appropriations bill no money goes to fish and wildlife to issue permits yeah to bring those species back right right so you can still go hunt you so just can't bring anything back how with. can we neuter you without yeah. saying we're going to actually neuter you yeah so that's yeah. been going at the state level the federal level and so this has been a goal for years we've been fighting these battles for years now but now with covid Center for Biological Diversity and Natural Resources Defense Council go, oh, here's an opportunity. And they're trying to seize on that fear. And they're petitioning the Biden administration, being the Secretary of the Interior, U.S. Fish and Wildlife. And they also petition Center for Disease Control to mm -hmm. ban the import and transport of wild animals and birds and institute a big tracking thing that uh, keeps track of all of the ones that are allowed in, but ban the import of those wild animals and their parts or parts thereof. So hides, horns, feathers, meat, anything could not be imported from other countries. And when it's married up with the Lacey Act, cannot be transported across state lines. I would, I would not go elk hunting if I could not bring the meat home. I'll just tell you right now. As much as I love it, it and it pains me to say that because archery elk hunting is my, my favorite thing to do, and I'm still very average at it. Yeah. But uh, so, if there's only one thing, if you said, what could you, if you could only do one thing for the rest of your life, I'd say uh, coin flip between archery elk and, and duck hunting with my dog. And, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't spend that money in New Mexico. If, if they're like, oh, yeah, you can go kill it. We can't bring the meat home. There's no way. And, and so they're doing it under the guise of COVID of avoiding the next pandemic, the animal jumping, the, the vir a virus unknown yet 
virus jumping and that's all due to you know transporting and all this is their logic fear-mongering i think dude. it's far-fetched but look at what the center center for disease control did with rent like who the hell gave you guys the ability to put a moratorium on rent collection right yeah. so but they did it until they were struck down by the supreme court and everything else but they do have that right under under law to do it to stop the transport of animals across state lines or their parts. So does fish and wildlife. So it'd crush non-resident hunting. You know, yeah. this is what I'm writing about in the next issue. That's half a billion dollars, more than half a billion dollars, $566 million every year that's spent on licenses, tags, and permits. Just on state. So yeah. that's for all 50 states. So that's $10 million to each state that directly funds their hunting, fishing, wildlife agencies, conservation at the end of it. But that 500 and something million is just out of state licenses, right? That's just non-resident licenses. Yeah, because I, I, I gave a speech at the uh, steward for the uh, steward of the wilds, uh, Fort Worth chapter last week. And I had all those numbers. They wanted me to talk on conservation. And I, I didn't realize that we spend 800 million, 800 plus million dollars annually on hunting licenses. And then you just gave me the breakdown of how much of that is non-resident tags. So it's, it's dang near two thirds. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just that. Then you throw the Pittman Robertson and Dingle Johnson taxes on top of it, plus man hours and sweat hours from each mm -hmm. of our little NGOs that we have. But yeah, that would crush non-resident hunting. Therefore it would crush state game agencies funding and therefore it would crush at the end of the day, conservation and wildlife. So I guess really that would leave you with like, I guess I would still go prairie dog hunting somewhere out West <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or coyote good. hunting. Well, yeah. no, you couldn't even bring the pelts back. Yeah. And so what, no, you couldn't, no, you so couldn't you'd, at all. Prairie dogs about the only thing that anyone would go West for after that. Yeah. You know, and so the administration, they, like prairie you know, dog massacre. they're just sitting on it right now. They haven't said anything. Um, is it likely that they adopt it? No, not really. Hopefully you would think that, you know, uh, Secretary Halland would uh, be smart enough to understand what these dominoes falling would do. But they could adopt some emergency form. And that's the other thing. They want it to be declared un under emergency powers. Therefore, it doesn't have to go through any oversight or anything else. But they could declare... They could pick and choose, right? They could say, well, we're not going to do all mammals or all birds, but we'll do bats. We'll do this. And because there are, there's disease with deer, chronic wasting disease. Yeah, we won't let deer do that. So they could just pick and choose and implement mm -hmm. it however they want. So it could end up being deer or whatever other species. That's the scary part. And so just to be clear, this is a uh, petition, not actual legislation that's been introduced. Yes. Okay. So two different things there. Yes. It's important that's, to make that distinction. That's the appropriations bill. Yeah. Appropriations. With Gravalier being the head of the committee. Mm -hmm. um, Budget planning for 2022. No, that I believe would be the Cecil Act language. It's okay. That's the one where they're like, okay, we're just we're not going to cut these positions out, but we're just not going to give you any money to process permits. Yes. Okay. So two different things there. Yes. It's important that's, to make that distinction. That's the appropriations bill. Yeah. Appropriations. About with Gravalier being the head of the committee. Mm -hmm. uh, and that bans or stops giving money 
Fish and Wildlife has no money appropriated to give permits. Right. You can still go hunt in Africa. You just so can't. Here's back. your stack of permits on the desk. But it's like, we don't have anyone that we can pay to. We're like, there's no money for that. Sorry. So. Yeah. Yep. And so there. this is a petition. They petition them directly. Yeah. And so okay. if they want to go forward with it right now that everybody's just sitting on it, if they go forward with it, there will be a public comment period. Mm-hmm. And everybody needs to weigh in and talk about it and then they'll move forward from there. But right now they're just sitting on it. So we'll wait and see. We have to go at it as if they're going to pass it yeah. this way or some other way that would be very negative for us. It, it doesn't make any sense. We love animals so much. We want to make sure that every species suffers. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I've what said a, they just, yeah, just to understand them. You just have to suspend reality and your entire existence is an oxymoron yeah. like oh yeah. i love wildlife so much i just want to make sure they all die yeah. <laughs> you suffer suffer while they do it but huh? at least hunters didn't kill them they just yeah. died in the wilderness yeah they but, died but, naturally of starvation or disease but right. no 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 but, but hey but let me ask you this did they still die yeah yeah but that doesn't matter because a hunter didn't shoot them mm-hmm. <laughs> but they still died okay all right you're that's an idiot okay. that's how that conversation goes <laughs> <laughs> well hey i always enjoy the conversation brian i hope that you have a, a wonderful fall with your black lab if you want to give us uh where folks can find sportsman's alliance and how can they get involved because you guys are seriously one of my favorite organizations you do so much protecting our rights as sportsmen and women um your services to the hunting community are, are it's invaluable so i encourage people to check it out thank you yeah uh we work hard and uh unfortunately it doesn't look like uh, we'll be out of work anytime soon <laughs> but uh you can follow us you can find us on our website sports men's alliance sports M-E-N-S, sportsmen's, that gets messed up all the time. So sportsmensalliance.org and just Google us or look up for us on Facebook and Instagram, especially. We're also on Twitter, but I don't get Twitter, so I don't do a whole lot of it. But uh, Instagram and Facebook are pretty active and uh, that's where we'll post up all the latest legislation, which is slow right now, thank goodness, because it's hunting season. I don't want to be sitting behind this computer any more than I have to, but come January, the onslaught will resume and it'll be all spring into early summer. Right on my friend. Well, Hey, thanks again for the time. Have a great fall. You too, buddy. Thank you. All right. There he goes. Brian Lynn sportsman's Alliance. Great stuff there. That segment brought to you by NUMA and the alpha vertex system, which is perfect for you. The bow hunter. It's not going to burn you up. It does have a little bit of fleece lining, but still lightweight, not bulky. Perfect for November, December, on into January and February, especially southern folks. You know, I'm not talking about sitting in a tree stand in Illinois in January when it's negative 20 degrees. Now, this is like the perfect midweight hunting kit. And you can find the Alpha Vertex. They've got pants, jacket, vest, the whole nine yards right there at NUMA outdoors.com and you'll get 20% off don't forget use that promo code Lone Star 20 20% off all NUMA apparel and gear that's right unfortunately looking at the clock we got to go got to get out of here thanks to both of our guests Brian Lynn as well as Jason Jeter uh, thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible thanks to you the listener for being a part of SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show 
Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying, y'all have a great week in the outdoors. Rattlesnake Boogie. Rattlesnake Boogie.